woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. Welcome to Packers Without Borders. The greatest podcast on the planet. <risa> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. <laughs> This is when the gold gets made, kids. Okay, we're... Joined today with Clint from the Delayed Draw podcast out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Clint, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. No one listens. Nothing. I'm listening. Not even a not, not even a blip on there, right? <laughs> Bruce has already got himself muted. Perfect. We're off to a great start. Okay. So we're looking you at like, the bill. Hey, buddy, you like hearing yourself. I'm going to let you talk to yourself a little bit, then I'll then I'll chime in. I like hearing myself because I like hearing correct things. <laughs> so we've got the Bills, Sunday night football in Buffalo. Packers just coming off back to back to back losses. We are not looking good. We are floundering a little bit, a little bit of chaos in the locker room, a little bit of he said, she said, a little bit of maybe we should have, maybe we could have. If my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. What are you thinking Sunday night, Clint? Let's start with what do you th where do you think the team is right now? Oh boy. <laughs> they are at the bottom of the barrel right now. They uh they can't seem to do much right unfortunately. Uh but I do have hope. I do have a little bit of hope, just a smidge of hope for Sunday. And the reason I say that is uh it was last year, right, when we played the Cardinals and they were undefeated and we had a decimated receiving crew. And we somehow pulled that one out. Now, I, I feel like the Cardinals and the Bills are a little bit different, but the scenario is similar. So that's, that's my little smidgen of hope in the, uh, the, the world of bleakness that is <laughs> the Green Bay Packers right now. You know, with the Bills coming off of a bye, they've got an extra week to rest. They don't have the injury bug, uh, it seems, as much as we do. They seem to have a lot more of their star players out there. We will be missing Cobb. Christian Watson, still questionable. Hamstring Lizard's issues. Out. Lizard's out. Bakhtiari's limited in practice, but it looks like he's in this week. How are you thinking? What's happening with Bakhtiari? It's just a, it's just a lingering lingering issue, man. And it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, it's just one of those things that he's, he's just going to have to play it week by week. I don't think he's ever going to be fully healed. And do you think that, so in your opinion, personal opinion, should they keep Bach after this year? 
with everything going on, the price tag, what do you think the future of Bach is at this point? Man, that's a really good question. Um, we would call that a... question Bach to the future. <laughs> uh, <I> only... <laughs> uh, super small sample size, of course, but Zach Tom played pretty well at left tackle last week. Not much you can get from that, but if Zach Tom could come in and continue to play well at left tackle, as much as I love Bakhtiari, I would say uh, we'd have to let him walk. It's, it's too expensive to have a guy that we don't know from week to week if he's going to be able to play. Absolutely, especially with our uh, cap crisis yeah. and all of the uh, experts mentioning what's going to happen even when Rodgers is gone next year or the year after, he's still going to command an awful lot of our uh, of our cap it sure. seems like now don't get me wrong i am not an aaron rodgers hater i love aaron rodgers most of the time sometimes he does some really stupid stuff out there and you're going why why but it seems like aaron's kind of got this team by the short and curlies a little bit and he seems to be the voice of the team where we're kind of expecting maybe the coach to be more of the voice of the team. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Um, part of me thinks he's earned that. Uh, you know, if, if Peyton Manning before he retired would have been the, the voice of uh, the Broncos or, or even the, the Colts, um, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with that. If Tom Brady is the voice of Tampa Bay or New England, I don't know that too many people are complaining about that. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is a little unique just because, uh, like the, the Pat McAfee show, his, his face is out there a bit more than, than those guys. Um, but I have a feeling, just a gut feeling, that, that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, guys like that, within the locker room probably were the voice as much as the coach, if not more so. They just weren't as outward with it as Rodgers is. And you hear all these old quarterbacks, uh, you know, the the Kurt Warners, the Steve Youngs, when Aaron Rodgers really started becoming vocal a couple years ago when we started seeing the shit hit the fan two years ago, right? Where is he going? He was kind of holding the team hostage. You, you saw a lot of these older quarterbacks come to his defense to say, yeah, I would have liked this in my locker room this time. He's doing this almost for the greater good of the quarterback position when you have somebody that that's, that's that talented and has carried the team for so long. So that's where you're saying he's earned it. But at the same time, it's a team sport, right? Like Tom Brady did not win all these championships by himself. He had a top 10 defense every single time he won a Super Bowl. So understood. And at the same time, I'm also at the point where it's green and gold, right? Above Aaron Rodgers or anybody else. Nobody should be above the team. And hopefully with this week, we can kind of right the ship and really see him play. Oh, good. He's frozen. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, one thing to add to that is um, along with that, I would like to see better body language on the field. And I don't, I don't know how big of a deal that really is to the players, but to us viewers from the outside, it, it doesn't look good to see Rogers losing his shit on the field and, uh, and then being cool, calm and collected in the interviews. Like, Hey, we got to stay cool, man. Like, okay, then stay cool. <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to be the rallier of the troops. 
right? He doesn't seem to be like that rah-rah guy who's going to get on the sidelines, grab the offensive line, or grab the wide receivers together and go, listen, we got to get it together. We got to do this. We got to do that. We've got to do something uh, uh, other than uh, crap in the bed. And uh, he just seems to, you know, what the hell are we doing out there? And then he goes and just sits on the bench. You know, and it's, right, it's, it's right. almost like a sulking moment, you know. It is. It I, is. Think, I agree 100%. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers nailed it on the head a couple of uh, weeks ago when he said, I think I got to play a tick better. I think he needs to play a few ticks better. I think not only does he need to play a few ticks better, he needs to play a lot of ticks better because he does have such a young receiving core. He's got to be the Wayne Gretzky setting up the Luke Robitaille. He's got to be... You know, that, that 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 Peyton Manning making all these other wide receivers look so much better. He's got to be that offensive line in Denver all throughout the uh, late 90s, early 2000s there, where it didn't matter who was in it running back, right? He's got to be that difference maker. And we just haven't seen it yet. And I know people are going to argue, well, his completion stats, remember a lot of those completions were those long handoffs where he would snap the ball and shotgun and then just kind of toss it forward as the wide receiver would run by or Jones would run by and they count that as a forward pass. It's like, all right, right. Uh, we'll hang on. Throw, throw it more than a foot and a half and let's call that a, a, a pass. So we're getting into Green Bay, Bills, and uh, – Bruce is now calling me. Hold on one second here. Holy crap. What a yeah, shit it, show. <laughs> it said I was the host there briefly. What's going on? It kicked me out. It kicked you out? Yeah, are you still there? Yeah, we're sitting here. We're talking away. We're having a great time, man. He said some really controversial stuff. You missed it. Well, that's great because I just got kicked out of the fucking meeting and I can't go back into it. So let me click on my own link that I sent and I'll join the meeting again. That's fucking weird, man. All right, sounds good. What the fuck? Okay. Bye. Could you hear him? I could hear him, yes. Good. I'm keeping that in the podcast. Nice. <laughs> That's staying. So I know we've been saying it since April. We got to lean on the run, lean on the run, lean on the run. Are we really going to see it this time? You know, the Bills have got that nickel defense that is extremely good against the run. They love to play a four-man front. We can't seem to handle three men on the front. What are you thinking? I, I think we still have to do it. I don't think we have a choice. Uh, and we we'll go back to the, the Rogers thing just briefly, because that kind of ties into this. Uh, whenever, uh, when I watch the games, I, I talked to my cousin back in, um, in Wisconsin and he mentioned something that uh, I think was a good point is Rogers is very, very unwilling to throw into tight coverage. Uh, not that he doesn't ever do it, but it seems like it's got to be an absolute last resort. And if we're going to pass the ball with a bunch of rookie receivers, I think he needs to kind of let go of that a little bit. Um, and, and so I, I think he needs to do that along with a lot of running of the ball. So when we run the ball maybe three, four times in a row, and then we do maybe a play action pass or something, <clears throat> he's got to be willing to just drill that thing in there if the receiver isn't completely wide open and just just trust them and and it's all you can do if you don't trust your receivers then you might as well just hang up the towel and go home you got to let those playmakers make those plays right you know i mean if we think back to and i know he's he's the player that shall be not be named right now because of the controversy that's happening but when we go back to when brett Favre's dad died none of those passes for touchdowns 
were the wide open guys or no. were pretty. No, they, <laughs> None they, of they, them. They were not. They were not good or smart passes, <laughs> but they were. Yeah, he chucked them, and guys like Fer- Ferguson and Wa- and uh, Walker, they made those plays. Here comes Bruce. He's back in it again. Got to pay. Uh, Got to pay that extra dollar a month for the good Wi-Fi, buddy. No, it's not the Wi-Fi. It was Zoom. <laughs> Zoom said an unexpected error. Get the fuck out. I guess it didn't like my comments. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That happens. So we were just talking about uh, what the Packers need to do. They need to lean on the run. And we were also talking about how, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers uh, needs to start making, letting these wide receivers make those plays and throwing it into a little bit more tighter coverage. I, I was completely agreeing with Clint. And I was also thinking, you know, I'd like to see him gunsling it just a little bit more. I mean, at this point, do I care if he has 10 interceptions or two interceptions? Not at this point. I want to see him trying to get that in there. And I'm, I'm a little sick and tired of some of these quote unquote experts where Rogers misses the throw. He throw he clearly throws it either a little bit behind the guy, especially Jones on those flats. They're either way too high or Jones has got to make a ballerina move just to catch it behind him to turn around and keep momentum instead of feeding him in front. Yeah. You know, I, I want to stop hearing those guys go, Oh, well, that was the exact spot that that could possibly well, no, if we rewatch that a little bit ahead of him or a little bit behind him or actually over here was would have been a much better spot if he was throwing to specific spots. The fact that he hasn't hit a deep ball all year, the fact that those those little dump passes on the flats are either too high, too low, too behind people tells me maybe he shouldn't have taken the summer off, done the ayahuasca and not shown up to camp. You know, buddy, something that I did this week to to look at the number one offense, number one defense in the league and where they have any types of weaknesses. And interestingly enough, man, they're when you look at PFF grades, they're pretty green across the board, except for on both the offensive and defensive side, the interior of their line on the right side on both ends are yeah. actually grading out very well. So their defensive end on the right side, Oliver, is not playing well. So when we're talking about our tendency to run to the right every fucking time, right? Like we never use the left side of the line, which is where the strength is with when we have Bach and with Tom, like you said, Clint, you know, last week who held his own and now Eldon Jenkins at his original position, Myers has been solid. That right side is going to be a little bit better this week. I anticipate seeing on both sides of the ball, that right side being either a wash or something we can win. So it's going to have to be one in the trenches, obviously, with our already depleted wide receiver core. And now really going to have to rely on Watkins and Dobbs and Tanya and these guys. That's that's all close to the line middle stuff. That's not I mean, Watkins is an outside threat, but I have a feeling that if we're going to win this game, there's going to have to be a lot of A.J. Dillon on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of Devondre Campbell, or maybe what you do is you have Rashawn Gary instead of rushing on the outside since he can't fucking hold an edge. We saw in, in preseason and in training camp them rotating him in on the interior. Everything is going to have to come straight down the middle, right? And Bar is playing down. awesome on exactly. the outside. So we've got a chance. If we start seeing some pressure up the middle and we start running A.J. Dillon on that right side and keep it with A.J. Dillon, early and often we'll have a shot that's my opinion you know Mike Wall brought up something pretty interesting he said uh, Mike Wall the ex-offensive lineman there for the Packers he said uh, he'd like to see the sixth lineman out there he'd like to see 
Tom out there next to Mercedes Lewis and and really leaning on that defensive line of the uh, the Buffalo Bills and using A.J. Dillon early and often, that would play right into it. I think that would be a good idea. problem is I don't think either Lafleur or Rodgers wants that. <laughs> right? They, it always seems like as soon as the running game gets a little bit going, they go, okay, take the spotlight off the run game. Now I'm going to chuck bombs. Yeah, and that that's another good point too, the chucking of the bombs. You know, how many times have we seen third and two, fourth and one, and throw a deep ball? Like just run the damn ball, get one yard, and live to play another day. And Rogers' deep ball is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but his deep ball hasn't been good the last couple of years. So stop. <laughs> stop doing that. Clint, what is your thought on you know, this is something that I guess we're all trying to wrap our heads around, but when people are saying the run game's not working, and we know from the numbers, you know, 6.9 yards per per touch for Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon is three in a cloud of dust, you know, he's still at 4.9, but what is it, do you think it's more the scheme or, or the play of the offensive line? Obviously, it's a little bit of both, but where do you think they can fix it to actually see the run game working to the point where Matt LaFleur decides to stick with it and Aaron Rodgers also not check out of it? Like, what is it that you want to see or what do you think? So what I think is happening is I think when they have some success running, teams are adjusting and uh, either run blitzing or maybe stack in the box, whatever. And Rodgers and LaFleur are taking that as, okay, they're daring us to pass the ball now. So then they start passing the ball. Problem is the passing hasn't been good. So they're, I, I think they're afraid to run against a stacked box or, or run blitzes or whatever. Uh, I think they just need to nut up and keep running it. You know, you I know mean, there's going to be some passes sprinkled in, but just keep pounding it, pounding it against an eight-man front. Who cares? Just keep doing it because what we're doing ain't working. <laughs> you know, the Jets did that against us. The Giants did that against us. Washington did that against us. We put eight, nine guys in the box. didn't matter. They kept pounding that bloody rock. You know, and, and the commanders, they, they basically played a cover two on us the entire time, inviting us to run. Go saying, go ahead. And they know that we're not going to. So they just cover the pass and completely dominate because we refuse to come off come off of some unwritten playbook. One, I, I don't know. One time we've run against a stacked box. Anytime there's a stacked box, Rogers checks out of it or whether the play being called is already premeditated, right? But we already know, as we've said over and over again, Mercedes Lewis clarified that there's two playbooks. But one time all season, we're now heading into the middle of the season. We've run the ball once against a stacked box. And I think too, when they do run and it gets stopped once or twice, they're like, well, run's not working Throw our hands up and start passing yeah. the ball. Like those are body blows. Every time you run for a one yard gain, a two yard gain, it's still an important run. It's still a good run. Even if you punt that series, you still got to keep doing it. Make those guys not want to tackle AJ Dillon. Like, like you were saying earlier, keep pounding Dillon right into their chest until in the third and fourth quarter, they want nothing to do with giant Dylan quads hitting them at full speed. And they, they, they won't do it. They're, they're not taking the body blows. You know, these guys come out of college, these guys, uh, Dylan and Henry, they come out of college and they're getting 30, 35, 38 touches a game. And they get to the NFL, they get four touches and people go, well, why aren't they producing? Well, let's go back 
to when they had an extremely great first quarter. Does anybody remember Derrick Henry's fantastic first quarter? He doesn't have one because his fantasticness comes from late in the second, definitely in the third, and then fourth quarter he's completely dominant because guys are just getting out of his way, right? We seem to do this with Dylan, and fans do this too, and it, and it just aggravates the hell out of me. The guy – Practices all week, trains all week, game plans all week. He's got all this in his head. He's ready to go. They use him three times, all from shotgun, all in a loaded box. He gets 10 yards on three carries, and they go, well, sit him. And the fans go, yep, time to trade him. What? I you know, need to see his carries up to 20, and then let's make a decision. There's also the uh, the dual running back thing. Um I, I don't know that they're using it correctly. And in all honesty, I don't know how they should use them correctly, but it, it makes it hard. Like when, like if you had uh, Aaron Jones and they're running, like you're saying, getting five, six yards of carry for one series, then they pull him out the next series and Dylan gets two carries or something like that. Then Jones comes back in and he gets three carries. Maybe there's no rhythm there for either running back. They can't get into a groove of any kind whatsoever. Like if get cold, yeah, they, they need to like, if, if Dylan's running great, stick with Dylan for a while, just pound Dylan. If Jones is running great, sorry, Dylan Jones has got the hot hand. We're going to feed him. Washington did exactly that. that. Washington did exactly that against us. They kept going back. They, they kept trying Robinson. They kept, trying to feed him. He couldn't get it going. They went right back to the other guy and doubled down even more on him. And then just to spell him, they brought in Robinson. And just it, during those spells, they were like, well, we got to at least feed it one time to Robinson or they'll never believe that we run it all the time. So they fed it to him. He had a couple of runs, but they kept going with the hot hand. The Bears do this. The Bills that's, do this with Singletary all the time. Right? That's what Single- I- yeah, Singletary will go out there, and if he starts tearing it up, you won't see the other guy other than the occasional spell. But they will take Singletary out in a second if the other guy starts tearing it up. And the Packers don't do that. We go, here's the nope. first series, first series of the game. Uh, okay, we've decided it's going to be Aaron Jones. Okay, we went, you know, four or five plays, then we punted. So uh, there it is. Uh, that's the first series. We get to the second series. Now it's A.J. Dillon, and we're in completely different formations. It's like, is this the stuff we practice? Are we not lining up, say, on first down with uh, Aaron Jones and then second down, here comes Dylan? Why aren't we sprinkling this? Why isn't it a merry-go-round? Two, three Uh, plays Jones, two, three plays Dylan. Put them both in at the same time. Mix it around. Like, chase the, you know what I mean? Like, where's the queen? There's the queen. Where'd she go? You know what I mean? The the three-card Monty. We're not doing any of that. We're going, this is our guy. This is the one we're going to run with. I also think, too, um, AJ Dillon, uh, as much as I love the guy, I think he needs to get more aggressive with his runs. Too many times I see him run up to the line and try to dance around a little bit like AJ, or like uh, Aaron Jones will do and try to find the hole. Like to me, AJ Dillon, your job isn't to dance around and find a hole. Your job is to put your head down and bowl the line forward three yards, four yards. That's your job. You do that and, and, and that's it. Make the other team pay for you having the ball. Uh, and I, I just think he needs to be more aggressive. The only time he really ever seems to do that is when it's, you know, third and short, fourth and short, then he'll put his head down and, and really ram the line. But too many times I see him try to dance around and I'm like, dude, that's, that's not you. You're the big guy. You're the one who's supposed to bulldoze, go bulldoze. He's a one cut run North and South type guy. 
Yep. The issue I'm having with the Packers is their blocking schemes. We have great blocking schemes for Jones where we're pulling two guards or we're pulling the center and a tackle and we're throwing a tight end. Tight ends coming all the way across the field to lead the charge. With Dylan, it's like, yeah, so we're in shotgun and the five guys in front are just going to push forward and you're just going to smash forward. Well, well that would be okay there's no if one blocking smashed. for him. Yeah, if there's nobody. If we had a fullback, you imagine John Kuhn out there dropping the first guy that comes to Dylan and Dylan can get some speed up and get into those linebackers, he'd be averaging 10 yards a carry. But yeah, instead, nice. he's getting smothered by the defensive line because nobody's giving him a little extra blocking. They're running different routes. I, I want to see Jones and Dylan running from the same packages, the exact same packages. That's what I'd like to see. More consistency in the run game by running the exact same package and just substituting 28 and 33. It's just like Madden. Right, you've got your offensive playbook for Madden, and if 33 goes out and 28 comes in, it's all the same plays. You don't suddenly have Dylan specific play. It's all the same plays, and they should have been studying all the same plays. And third year in the offense with these guys, they should know them. They should completely know them. And there's, so the, you know, the first thing with that um, is they're really using the last couple of weeks, A.J. Dillon more as a fullback, right, as opposed to the runner when they're both on their pony packages. So there's no threat of who are you going to give it to. They're going to give it to Aaron Jones, run it, and they're going to use Dillon as a lead blocker. And then in terms of, of Dillon, one of the things that, that has kind of plagued his career a little bit that after, like you said, after three years he should know, is he runs pretty upright for a big dude. Just like yeah. you said, Put your fucking head down, square your shoulder pads, and be lower than the other guys. And that's why he's not really breaking contact, right? Like, he's hitting it, and it's taking a couple guys to bring him down. But he's not breaking the line because he's upright. And any dude that's upright is going to be – I mean, you're talking about a 220, 235-pound you know, linebacker or a 300-pound like lineman. He's not going to move very much. His pad level needs to drop. And just like you said, Clint, he just needs to one cut, go straight up, pound into the line eventually those guys are going to start being on their heels to kind of take the blow as opposed to trying to give the blow and that's been kind of the issue with that as well and he um he's not he doesn't have the greatest balance for running back either i've noticed a lot of um fairly easy tackles on him where i'm like dude if if that if that was jones he'd have got another 10 or 15 yards out of it but dylan went down so that kind of plays into that as well if if dylan's not going to have that agility to be able to break those those tackles you know five yards downfield or whatever again just put your damn head down and and get the yardage you can get don't worry about dancing and spinning and all that shit just that's that's jones's job you go you go hammer somebody jones is athletic and he's elusive and dylan is a battering ram a big piece of heavy machinery he is thor's hammer and instead of using it like Thor's hammer, we're trying to get it to dink and dunk and do all these crazy things. Oh, you just have to make the first two guys miss in the backfield, Dylan, and then you'll be home free. No, no, we should be lined up just like Mike Wall says, six guys on the offensive line, you're right, right beside uh, 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 Lewis. Give him Deguara back there as a fullback uh, uh, lead blocker and just smash that A gap. Smash yeah, right where they are pass rushing the most. Smash that area no reason, until they stop. There's no reason A.J. Dillon should ever get less than three yards on a carry. Absolutely. He should hit that line going 100 miles an hour, and nobody will keep him from getting three yards every time he touches it. This and is what right I think 
Run right at Oliver, who's their weakest link right there in the A-gap. Run right at that motherfucker and beat his fucking ass into the ground. Let him start worrying about business decisions, right? Just <laughs> I want to see it from under center more because when Rodgers is under center and he turns around and hands it off, Dylan is in stride as he takes the ball. When it is shotgun, it's, it's almost like starting an engine cold. Dylan's got to stand there for a second, wait, the handoff comes, and then he goes, well, the conflicts have already engaging, and now he's changing his mind. If it was from behind center, there's no changing your mind. You're running right off my right side. Let's go. You can't suddenly decide you're going to cut left. You've got to go right through that hole because this is what I'm handing off, and it's more of that body book. Listen, predictions. What are you thinking? What's the outcome? What's going to happen Sunday night, Clint? Oh, as much as I hate to say it, I don't, unless we play an absolute perfect game, which there's no such thing, uh, I can't see a way we win this game. I, I really hate saying that because I don't think I've said that too many times in the last 20 years. <laughs> so the, the only way we win is if we do exactly what, you, what we were just talking about, if we just ground them to a pulp and keep their offense off the field. That's the only chance I think we have whatsoever. Um, I predicted the final score, Buffalo 38, Green Bay 20. Uh, I sure hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope it's a much, much better game than that. But given what they've shown the last few weeks, I don't see any reason to call it any other way unless they, they come out and do something magical. Bruce? So for me... I am going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt one more week because I think we're going to win the turnover battle. I think we're going to play a lot more disciplined, which is the biggest thing that's been really biting us in the ass the last couple of weeks. If we do those two things, I don't expect us to run the ball because they're not that that identity is something that we're all hoping for that we haven't seen. But if we win the turnover battle and we're efficient and we don't give them the ball and just kind of keep our defense at bay, right, which is what I'm hoping for maybe get a pick six, fumble recovery, whatever it is. I think we're not going to keep them from getting 29 points. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to say that's their average, right? Season average, 29 points a game. That's what they're fucking averaging. So I'm going to say 30 points for them. But I think that we're going to have a defensive score or a special team score, something just kind of wonky that's going to go on off of a turnover. And I think we get 24 points plus seven. So I think it's going to be a 31 to 30 Packers victory. So the Bills at home, the average margin of victory is 34.9 points. That means they beat you by basically 35 points when you play the Bills. The Packers are used to cold weather, outdoor weather, playing in the grass. I don't think that's going to affect them. If we don't run the ball, and I mean run the ball 30, 35 times, we basically limit Aaron Rodgers to a Trent Dilfer role, and we lean on that offensive line. We take the Bills offense away by not letting them get on the field, much like teams did to us, much like teams did to us, where they would just run, 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 because it keeps Rodgers off the field. If we do that, we'll win. I don't think we win. I think this might be the uh, last torpedo that sinks the battleship. And from here on in at three and five, we are now fighting over draft positions. Uh, some of the NFC is starting to take off a little bit. Some of these other teams, I mean, the Rams, Niners, Bucks, Packers, 
we dominated last year and this year we can't seem to get it going. Is there time? Yes, there's time. I don't think the Packers can sustain too many more of these losses like this without something happening in the locker room. Jair said something. Lewis has said something, right? Roger says something. Coach Jerry Gray says something. My final prediction, I'm going 38-10. And I think that 10, seven of it comes from the defense and our offensive woes continue. Now, if they get the run game going, it'll be a completely different story. But we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll listen to Dr. Deepak. And uh, we got a game coming up. A good one. Wichita, Kansas. From the UK. From Los Angeles. From northern Wisconsin. From Nova Scotia. From the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. From central Illinois. From southern Cali. From Turkey. Omaha, Nebraska. From California. From Melbourne, Australia. From Chicago, Illinois. From the UK. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And go pack go. Go pack go. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Also, you can find our merch on PackersWithoutBorders.MyShopify.com and TeePublic if you want cups, mugs, and those types of things. You can also visit us on Patreon.com front slash PackersWithoutBorders and give us some money. And AudibleTrial.com front slash PackersWithoutBorders. Give them a click, check them out, try that 30-day free trial with them, and enjoy your books. Peace and go Pack Go! Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. 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 Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. You are listening to my dad and his friend Bruce on Packers without borders. Your doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the prescription. All right, welcome back, and thanks for joining. This is your Sportsman Analytics Podcast heading into week eight. I am Deepak Chona. Let's dive in. Starting with Jamar Chase. Now, the fact that Jamar Chase has a small fracture in his hip actually works in his favor because bone healing tends to be pretty reliable in this location. Anticipate his return five weeks from the injury, or in other words, week 12. Now, this labrum tear is a bit of a wild card because some of these do need surgery, but most commonly, he'd be able to play through this and consider surgery if he needs it in the offseason. Expect for this season his typical stud level of play when he returns. Next, Debo Samuel. Now, most moderate severity hamstring strains would take about three weeks for wide receivers, so we would expect his return to the field around week 10. 
He typically would return at about 90% of his pre-injury production in our data, but he would initially carry an elevated approximately 20% re-injury risk for the first two games back. Next up, DK Metcalf. Now, to be determined his status for week eight, but we would lean towards him sitting, probably returning week nine. This is a little bit of an uncommon injury diagnosis in the NFL, so historical data is limited, but we would estimate his return to nearly full strength no later than week 11. Next, Mike Williams. Now, the video looked like a severe high ankle sprain. These tend to cost wide receivers about four to six weeks. Performance stiffs last the full six weeks, so even if he plays before that point, we would anticipate limitations. Next, we have Keenan Allen, and the dud showing that Keenan Allen put up in week seven was really not that unexpected. Wide receivers returning from severe hamstring strains do tend to show their limitations until at least six weeks post-injury. That bodes pretty well for his week nine performance, which should be close to full strength as long as he doesn't re-aggravate the injury between now and then. Next up, Darren Waller. Waller's practice progression would suggest that he's likely to play this week. Moderate severity hamstring strains usually cause only about 10% performance dips, but an early return is associated with relatively high re-injury risk. Then we have DeAndre Swift, and real cause for optimism here. Swift is poised for a promising week 8 performance. He's now had 5 weeks to heal up from injuries that generally take running backs closer to 4. At this point, we'd expect a relatively healthy Swift with no real performance or workload limitations. Then we have Amon Ross St. Brown. Status still to be determined, but we would lean towards St. Brown playing week 8 as long as he didn't suffer a setback after Friday's practice. Wide receivers returning from concussion protocol don't generally see any negative performance impact, so he should go back into lineups with confidence if active. Then Zeke Elliott. Now, the combination of a grade 2 MCL plus the thigh bruise would cost most running backs 3-4 to four weeks. Zeke has historically been pretty aggressive about returning quickly, so we would lean towards that 3-week timeline. 5 weeks post-injury is when our data projects the return of full pre-injury productivity. Then we have Michael Thomas, and it looks like the Saints are going to play it conservatively, which isn't that surprising given the extensive injury history. The upper range for turf toe injuries is still generally about six weeks. MT is now at five. Anticipate his return to the field around week 10, assuming no setbacks. The performance impact would be, would be projected to linger about two to three weeks after the return timeline. Next, Alan Lazard, and he mentioned this week that he felt a snap and a pop the mechanism of blocking a player when having this shoulder injury, in addition to his comments, together suggest a, sold, a shoulder subluxation, which is like a partial dislocation. And with that, you commonly have tearing of the labrum, which is like a bumper cushion in the shoulder. Now, skill position players average just over two weeks out, usually between two and three. So we would lean towards his return week nine or ten. Next up, a major buy-low candidate for season-long owners, Dalton Schultz. We expect him to play, and most importantly, to improve significantly over the course of the next three weeks. Schultz has been dealing with a PCL tear, and it's had the expected performance impact on the first half of his season. His stats have been pretty underwhelming, but again, we do expect a significant improvement as he is now just over a month from the injury. And then finally, we have Mac Jones. Now, we'll never know, especially with Bill Belichick as the coach, but there is a very solid chance that the ankle injury he had explains why he was pulled from the last game. 
Expect to see limited mobility for another two weeks, but he should be healthy enough to play well in week eight. Don't let the numb toes report scare you. That's probably just a result of swelling from the injury and it tends to resolve pretty quickly. And that's all we have for today. Thanks again for joining. I am Deepak Chona signing off. All right, we got a good game coming up here. Hit the theme music. That's the old Johnny Carson theme that we use. That's I love that. Okay, so this game is called Phobia or Sex Phobia. These two contestants, Clint and Bruce, will be pitted against each other. Winner will accept his trophy, a Ziploc bag full of creamy peanut butter. Not the chunky kind. We're classy. You're As going to well, guess. And you're going to print out your browser history and provide it to whoever wins. <laughs> it'll, be the, it'll be the fucking RCMP up here. <laughs> They're already tracking my phone. They're like, that son of a bitch is doing his podcast again. Relax. So we have real phobias or sex phobias. So, of course, all of these long-winded 50-cent words all end in phobia, okay? And some of these phobias will be regular people phobia, you know, things like this, like arachnophobia. We all know what that is, right? 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 Fear of Patrick, fear of Patrick Mahomes, right? So, uh, and then we have other uh, uh, phobias that are phobias uh, related to sex, okay? So you guys are going to guess real or sex, simple okay let's 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 start the uh first one off this one's called uh papa phobia papa phobia go ahead clint i'll let you pick first and then i'll pick uh, i'm gonna say that's a a real phobia i'm gonna say that's a real phobia as well it is it is the fear of the pope fear of the pope papa phobia papa yep right what if you were in bed with the pope (laughs) oh what would that be called uh (laughs) papa no phobia (laughs) okay now erotophobia erotophobia i bruce yeah i'll jump in on here that is the fear of blowing out your asshole so i would say (laughs) That's not the fear, but uh, I'll mic you down for sex on that one. Yeah, I don't know what, what that one actually is, but it sounds sexual. Wow, you guys are good at this. This is the irrational fear of sex. Uh, it is irrational. It is irrational. There's no, it's nothing to fear. It's nothing to fear. My sex move is, is uh, screaming really loudly, don't kill me while we're having sex. Wow. Okay. Syngenosphobia. 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 I'm probably pronouncing all of these wrong, and there is some yeah. Harvard expert right now going, idiot! <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, another sex phobia on that one. I'm going regular phobia on this one. Ooh, Absolutely. It is a uh, regular phobia. Ah. Syngenosphobia Syngenos, is the fear of relatives. Yes. The fear of relatives. Yes. Okay. Uh, xanthophobia. Xanthrophobia. Xanthrophobia. Is it spelled with an X? 
Yes. Just like Xanax. Yep. I'm going to say that's a regular phobia. Uh, I'm going to go with the sex phobia again. Wow, Bruce, two for two. Xanophobia is the fear of yellow. Yep. The fear of yellow. Like he knew it. Yep. 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 Yellow. Yep. Knew it all along. Bile. Bile. <laughs> yeah. Jim. Jim. Oh, man. I'm not even going to say this right. Jiminophobia. Gymnophobia. Gymno. Jiminophobia. These fucking Latin words. I'm telling you. I mean, they're just making shit up at this point. Let's throw a P in there. What is the P? It doesn't, there's no P sound in it. It's like Jeme- the new quarterback that replaced Matt Ryan, dude. It's like Ellinger or Ellinger, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Inic bar? Engage bar? What is it? Geminophobia. What do you think? I'm going to go with the sex phobia because one of these has to be right, right? <laughs> I'm going with sex phobia as well. Gene genitals, fear of genitals. Fear of being nude. The oh. fear of being nude. Yes. Happiness. Happy. Happy. Oh. <laughs> happy. He. Happy phobia. Happy phobia. You said happy phobia. I know I said penis. I had penis on the brain. It's also my sex act. I'm going to go with. Go ahead, Clint. Uh he said penis. I went like four sex in a row. I'm going to go. This is a regular one. This is sex. He said penis. So he was already thinking sex as he was reading. <laughs> it is the fear of being touched. Yes, it is a sex. Yes. I'm really okay. bad at this game. <laughs> well, I play with him every week almost. Clint, uh, fair, so enough. fair enough. Fair enough. If, hap- if hapophobia, if fallow, if, if it hath hello. Oh, fuck. It hi hello phobia. If hypolophobia. <laughs> I'm butchering the shit out of this. I really am. If, I'm gonna say it's fear of phalluses and sex. Holy fuck, Bruce. You were on a roll, man. Wait, it is the fear so of the Clint, penis. Let Clint answer. He was, I, gonna, I was say gonna say sex. sex. He's exactly. going he's going right to the sex. I get it. Lipophobia. Lipophobia. Lipopo? Yes. The popo, that's, Again, a fear, that's a fear. That, that's a fear of the popo. Uh, <laughs> say it's a regular fear. I'm going to go with regular fear, but it is a fear of liposuction. Yeah, close, buddy. It is the fear of becoming fat. Look at that. Uh, wow. Okay. Linophobia. Linophobia. And there's the lisp in there. Linophobia. A supper in succotash. Fear of Daffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Linophobia. What are you thinking, Clint? Uh, let's go regular on that one. I'm going regular as well. Yes, it is the fear of string. Very good. The fear, fear of, of string. The fear of string. 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 St- okay. Yeah. Last well, what, but not least. Wait, what if it's a string of jizz? <laughs> Now available at Wake and Bake. I mean, that's scary. And you don't even have to have a phobia. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's string in there, buddy. You got to change your diet. I can tell you that. <laughs> that uh, tapeworm coming Less out. fiber. Less fiber. Sure. <laughs> Paraphobia. Paraphobia. 
or para paraphobia so paranormal i'm going to say regular i'll go regular fear so what is perhaps the other word yeah i'm gonna go regular as well both of you are completely wrong it is the fear of being perverted oh well i don't have that i don't have that fear either bruce nope, wins that by three points yeah fuck well off done, bruce <laughs> enjoy the peanut butter man yeah. <laughs> why are why does he have so many dogs <laughs> So what's 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 going down in Vegas today? What's 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 happening? What's going on? Is it raining? Uh, is it sunny? Is it? Uh, it's it's sunny. It's supposed to be in the seventies for a high today. Uh, the girlfriend and I are going to go down to uh, Fremont Street downtown Vegas, and uh, we're we're dressing up for Halloween and going to go see some some freaks on Fremont Street. Nice. What are you dressing up as? I'm going to be a streaker. A streaker. <laughs> Yeah, I got uh, I got one of those rubber chickens. You know, you squeeze the chicken and it honks. I'm basically taping that or, or velcroing that over my junk, and then uh, I'll walk around with my trench coat closed, pressing in on that. And then when I release the hound or release the beast, it makes the honking noise. Everyone gets a good laugh, and I go home feeling ashamed. <laughs> That's when you know you've been to a good party. Is when you go home ashamed. Ashamed. Right. I, I, I just did. need. I need to drink the shame out of me is what it boils down to. So, so. Clint, what you need to do in this case. Now, are you married? Uh, might as well be. Been together eight and a half years. Okay. So here you go. So here's the secret to a nice long lasting relationship when you're going to do stupid shit like this. <laughs> is you create an alter identity, right? So I've got this. I've got an alter identity whose name is David Archie. Okay. And whenever I decide that I'm going to get shit face drunk and do something stupid, I invite David Archie to the party and everybody calls me Bruce and I completely ignore anybody calling me Bruce. And I'm David Archie that night. That way, when I get home and my wife is yelling at me, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. That was David Archie. (laughs) And it actually worked. It actually worked. That that actually was, that was part of the phobias, I think. That was, that was one of those (laughs) mental disorders there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I pretend, I pretend I'm a little boy lost at sea. I like <laughs> grab people's asses and and yeah so just david archie i don't david archie likes to grab people's asses that's a good idea i need to come up with a good name yeah there you go i don't really do Max that you know power. what i do is i end up i end up throwing money around that's my problem i end up oh, throwing no. money around i end up doing something like really stupid like like we'll, we'll be drinking, drinking, having a good time. And then we'll stop by like a close bar to maybe have a drink or two. And I'll look around the room and I'll be like, there's 10 people. I'm buying everybody in this bar or a, around on the house. I'll yell out. Right. Because there's only like 10 people. So it's like 30 bucks. It's like, woo, what a big spender. Right. And then on the way home, it's like, let's take a limo home, baby. The problem <laughs> pay for 10 drinks because you want your one drink. But usually out of those 10 people, you'll have four or five people buy you a drink. So next thing you know, now you're shit faced because you have it's always a shot, right? It's never a mixed drink. When somebody's buying you something, it's like, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. And it's it's either a fireball or a tequila shot or something that's really going to put you on your fucking ass. And people always pay back a drink, at least. And, and, and turning it down is not an option. No, you can't. No. It's what long. kind of drink is this? She says, oh, it's a roofie colada. <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn it down. I bought it for you. So, Clint, you're going to have to deal with one of my stories here, but I have a fantastic story for uh, opening up my little uh, coffee shop here, Wake and Bake. 
And uh, last night here until about 1130, just working on stuff. And one of the residents where the, the location is like set, there's apartments all above. It. It's like a huge community complex where we are. And there's somebody walking around and they knock on the door. You know, they see us working here late at night or whatever. And I kind of walk out and start talking to this kid. And he's like, oh, what are you guys opening up here? Explain everything. I was like, why don't you come on in? Check it out. You know, just starting to create a little bit of a relationship with them. And my wife is sitting there staring at me like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm fucking selling because that's what I'm always doing. Right. And guy comes in and I explain everything to him. He's like, oh, I love plants. I was like, well, they're all for sale. My wife's like, no, they're not. I was like, they're absolutely thing in here is for sale. What do you want? You want the floor? No, I'm just kidding. But and he said, oh, I love this plant. My daughter went through and took pictures of everything and has them all labeled with the name of the plant. Right. And the plant that he liked. um, was called previously the wandering Jew, but now obviously for PC purposes, it's called the wandering dude. So this guy that was wandering outside the place that came up to it, came in and bought a plant called the wandering dude. And that was the first sale that I've had in my shop. So was, did you, did you touch this guy? Was he alive or was it a ghost? Uh, Well, he did scream when I stuck my finger in his ass. So I think he's alive. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty normal. Yeah, that's a, that's a butophilia phobia. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sex. Hey, yeah, cool, man. Right on. So, how long have you been a Packers fan, Clint? Well, I'm 44 years old now, so 44 years. I was born and raised, any- born and raised in Wisconsin. Uh, I didn't move out till I went in the Air Force, and I was 18. So, I grew up about an hour north of Green Bay. Nice. What, like out towards Stevens Point, or? No, a Marinette area. Okay. Familiar at all? Right up on the yeah. right by the UP border. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what, Wasaki was the, the school I went to. Wasaki. Nice. Love the Wisconsin names, right? You can always oh, yeah. tell what state you're in by the name of the school. And that will be our next game. Tell me what state we're in just by the name of the high school, right? You get the Keep Civil War ones and you're like, that's that's Alabama. That's where that is. I know where that is. And then you get ones like Wasaki and Wishinobi. It's like, that's Wisconsin. There's nowhere. They are nowhere else. You get, you know, <laughs> that'll be a great game. That would be. And Bruce is still on mute. There we go. Yeah, I unmuted myself. So Clint, this was a pleasure, man. A lot of fun. Now, do you have any advice, just life advice um, for everybody that you can kind of, uh, give our audience something that you'd like to let everybody know that that you like them just something that's helped you along the way in life that that you think is a good advice for everybody uh my my favorite slogan for myself is uh don't look back you're not going that way very nice very nice i like that that's a good one i like that it's helped me a lot throughout the years so Hopefully that line will help some other people too. Excellent. Why don't you uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find you on the social medias? Uh, Mainly on Twitter uh, at GB underscore delayed underscore draw. Uh, I've also got a YouTube channel, but uh, I've been very lax in my duties and posting things on said channel, but it's the same name on YouTube. Um, And yeah, that's about it for now. Maybe we'll add some more uh, social medias at a, at a future time. But I really, uh, really got into the whole Twitter thing just to have a, a, a Packers community because 
I haven't had that for years, you know, lived in Wisconsin for 18, but then I spent most of my life in Oklahoma, a small stint in Pennsylvania, now Las Vegas. So didn't really have much of a Packers family until I got into uh, the, the Twitter verse. And uh, yeah, I've met some really cool people on there, you guys uh, included. And uh, really, really enjoy the tweeting with the Packers fans. It's a, it's a nice place to, to have people to celebrate with and to, uh, I guess pout with <laughs> when they're not doing so well. Absolutely, we can all put our heads on each other's shoulders. Yeah, our podcast has been trying to unite. You know, there's there's so many wonderful Packers, and it's all come. Matt and I met on Twitter, right? Like Twitter has been really an escape for a lot of people, especially with Packers fans, because you're trying to kind of connect with people around the world. Like here in El Paso, obviously, it's all Dallas fans, and then sprinkle in everything else. But it's nice to that's kind of my Twitter thing as well, you know, just hooking up with people. Yeah. That's the whole point of the pod, man. It's, it's a pleasure, dude. I love your stuff. And by the way, you know, I've been trying to do that YouTube stuff because I've been promising it for like over a year, the amount of production and effort that it takes dude, to do that. What the fuck? Like it's that, a that- lot. <laughs> like I, I originally wanted to do like half hour podcast. That's, that's my limit. And then I did like one or two of those and I was like, that's too much. I need to do like five minute ones and even like a five or 10 minute podcast is still editing wise. It's going to take me an hour or two to get it edited and then uploaded and all the, all the BS that goes along with it. I'm like, damn, you know, hats off to all you hardcore podcasters. Cause that's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of time. It uh, is. It is a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Let, let me, let me pat myself on the back. Three hours a week, every single week, 182 episodes in a row. Love it. Recognize, my dude, recognize. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I had to spend some serious money, though, on some great editing software, because at the beginning, it was taking fucking all afternoon. And then I went online and I researched it and I bought some really great editing software. And now I throw it in and it has all my presets and everything that I like. And with one or two little clicks, it cuts out, you know, long spaces where people aren't talking. It points out where different sound effects. So sometimes when somebody's speaking and you get that weird wow, wow, wow kind of verberation, it points it out so that I can quickly go to it and kind of fix it. Before I'd have to sit there and listen intently with my headphones to the entire podcast and then you'd stop wait. Okay, here. Now it's like, here's one, here's one, here's one. And then it highlights this is all the stuff Bruce said, edit all of this out. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done music production in the past and, and it's, it's very similar. There's, it's just so listening to things over and over and over. <laughs> Don't need to do that. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you, Clint. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We love interacting with you on Twitter, dude. It's a fantastic, you're a fantastic follow, man. You're obviously knowledgeable and down to earth. You're not, on one side or the other. So it's always good to interact with people like that on Twitter. We'll make sure to get people to follow you and appreciate you, man. Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I would definitely uh, enjoy doing it again sometime. Absolutely. Episode 182 in the books. Uh, join us for Monday mailbag. You got any questions for us? You can send them to us at Packers with the borders at outlook.com. DM us at Packers at borders Packers. Find us on Instagram, Packers Without Borders, Instagram merch, Packers Without Borders merch, and Facebook, Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders at my.shopify.com to go get your t-shirts, limited edition, uh, 
patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders if you want to give us some money as well, which is always appreciated. Thank you guys all to the patrons who actually pay to listen to our fucking shit. And that's it. Ready to rock and roll. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming, Clint. No problem. Thanks for having me. Peace. Go Pack Go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego.
So many different people to be 